Bridging the gap between the eye test and the analytics, it's the Staff and Graph Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Dory and Ian Tullock. Welcome to the Staff and Graph Podcast. We're back after a bit of a delay, but Ian, how you doing? How's camp? Camp is good. Camp is, in its own way, a little bit of a self-quarantine where you're away from the rest of society, which right now seems to be a pretty good idea just based on how the last week or two have gone down. It's been it's been a really weird couple weeks. It's, it, the last few days have been a bit scary, have been a bit concerning. If you go into any grocery store right now and you try to find toilet paper... I haven't been able to find any. It's this like weird kind of zombie apocalypse kind of, I don't know. The entire world is kind of in chaos right now. And I think now is a good time to try to get some facts straight and try to help explain to people what's going on, how it affects the NHL, how it affects sports. And you're an expert in that area. Your professor's an expert in that area. So I feel like deferring to you is going to be a good idea here. Yeah, so basically what happened was um, I have a professor at school and he has a PhD in actually all of this stuff. Like he studies diseases um, and I believe he's part of the task force that's um, kind of researching this right now. So before he kind of went away, um, I had a bunch of questions um, just because this kind of really impacts my family. My sister's, she qualifies as extremely high risk as in if she gets this, she will die. Um, so I had a bunch of questions and I kind of just wrote down the information and Ian had the good idea that maybe we should be sharing this kind of information. So I think that that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're also going to talk about how this impacts sports and what organizations are or are not doing, potentially how you can help. Um, and just, let's just have a full breakdown of this COVID-19. If you've been living under a rock, the NHL and NBA seasons have been suspended until further notice. Same with MLS. Same with basically any professional sports league. In the world. Yeah, they've been suspended indefinitely. (laughs) It's very very difficult to find flights anywhere right now. The, The entire world is kind of on lockdown trying to make sure that this disease doesn't spread. And for people like myself, I'm not familiar with how diseases like Corona compare to diseases like Ebola or SARS or anything we've seen in the past. So I've been asking Rachel a million questions over text over the last <laughs> week, just trying to wrap my head around this. And I figure that a lot of people who aren't quite familiar with diseases, because most of us don't study this kind of stuff, I figure they'd be thinking, well, wait, how serious is this really? I've been seeing some information online that suggests that, well, people under 30 haven't died from it yet, and the mortality rate is much lower than SARS. So I, I thought now would be a good idea to bring up some questions that I've had over the last few week, uh, few days. Um, can I start th- with a PSA, just because this has been, like, it's the beginning of the podcast and this needs to be said, and then you can go ask all the questions you want? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Ian and I are both in our 20s, and it's St. Patrick's Day on Tuesday. I cannot stress this enough. Your school has closed and gone to online uh, classes. Your St. Patrick's Day partying on Ezra Street in Waterloo or at Queen's University or at Western or wherever the hell you are in the world is not more important than social distancing. Because guess what? If you're partying, you might not get COVID-19, but you might be a carrier of it and you might pass it on to someone who will die from it. You will not die without St. Patrick's Day drinking, so you need to stop. 
it's I think totally telling Queen's students not to party is something that uh, just isn't going to happen, based on my knowledge of Queen's students. I've, like, I've partied with them before. It's totally they're, ridiculous. They're a resilient group. <laughs> but yeah, that's just, I needed to get that off my chest, because I've been seeing a bunch of Snapchat and Instagram stories, and it's driving me nuts, because all you're doing is you're asking for the disease to be spread. Anyways, carry on with your questions. So... The biggest question I had right away was, okay, if someone gets coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever we want to call it, their chances of dying right now, I think the mortality rate is somewhere between 3% and 4%. That's correct. And the, just okay. to compare, like the seasonal flu is 0.1%. So like that's a lot. And just a kind of, the thing is called COVID-19 and it got declared, while well, Ian was at camp, it got declared as a pandemic by the World Health Organization, which we should point out, is the most reputable source of information right now. So if you're looking for reputable information, go to the World Health Organization. Um, and just kind of to be clear, like a pandemic is defined as an outbreak of a new pathogen that spreads easily from person to person across the globe. So the last time that we had a pandemic was H1N1 in 2009, also known as the swine flu. And uh, I actually had that. So my family is really enjoying making fun of me right now. Um, but basically, it's a very communicable disease, and it needs a human host to survive. So it can't survive on a surface for more than like 48 to 72 hours. So if you do a good job cleaning all your surfaces, um, it should kill anything that's on there. And not just COVID-19, but like other gross germs and bacteria. Um, but that's why human-to-human -human contact is so dangerous right now, because it's so communicable. And the second that you pass particles on, like you're passing this disease on potentially. That's why I was so surprised that Serge Ibaka didn't contract the disease from guarding Rudy Gobert, who was diagnosed with uh, with COVID-19. He was, he was found to have it. His teammate Donovan Mitchell contracted it. So I guess when it comes to the passing of the disease, how does stuff like this spread? Because it seems to be spreading like wildfire. And I think that's the biggest concern right now, because you compare the mortality rate to some diseases in the past, like SARS is the best example I can think of from 2002. SARS had a fatality rate or mortality rate of about 9.6% is what I'm seeing here. Below 10, above 9, somewhere in that range. So we can say roughly three times more likely you were to pass away from contracting SARS than you would be of COVID-19. It's just less people The issue <laughs> is that, yeah, the infection rate with COVID-19, it's spreading like wildfire. It, there are so many people who have this now. SARS was pretty well contained, all things considered. The infection rate of COVID-19, I think, is what people are most concerned about because I don't think we've ever seen a disease spread like this before, where... All over the world, you look at China, you look at Italy, you look at North America. I can't remember the last time in human history we saw something spread this fast. So my professor said that the last time that the world saw something like this was the Spanish influenza in 1919. That is 101 years ago for anyone that's counting. Um, and so that is, it spread so easily because, first of all, in this day and age, Everyone is so close human contact. Like, think about all the sporting events we go to. Think about how many people... Let's say you go to a Leaf game. Think about how many people touch the same things that you touch. Think about how many... And this is how it gets spread. So it's in your body, right? Let's say you cough, you sneeze, you touch your face. Anything that has a bodily secretion. If you then go touch something else without washing your hands, there's a potential that the germ that is on your hands, let's say COVID-19 is miraculously now on your hands, 
and you go touch something, well, it's now on that surface. So the next thousand people who touch that surface have a chance of getting that. And then all you have to do quite literally is let's say I have the disease and you and I are in the same room. I rub my eyes or I sneeze and I don't wash my hands, but I've sneezed all over this surface and COVID-19 gets on the surface. Let's say you come by and you either put your food on this surface or you touch this surface and then you touch your face. Well, the only way this thing gets in your body is if it goes through like a hole in your body. So now you've touched this surface, you've now touched your face, it's in your body and you now have it. You might not actually contract the disease per se, but you're at least a carrier of this disease. So if I sneeze and a thousand people touch the surface, then a thousand people might be a carrier of this disease. And so that's why it's spreading so quickly is because it's, I wouldn't say it's like an airborne disease. That's my professor said it's not that. It's more, it's a living thing that is so easily passed on because it's just passed on through bodily fluids and people don't realize how often they touch their face and then touch other things. And I think the the big concern here is that even though that argument you just laid out is very similar to why the flu goes around like crazy and when it's flu season because you have people in public spaces and malls in subways in buses in big public spaces touching the same things spreading the same diseases in a major city that's going to spread like wildfire the flu if you're under the age of 30 you don't really have any the flu doesn't really kill that many people whereas coronavirus it's so much more likely of someone to pass away. And I know that this is the big argument that people are bringing up right now. If you're healthy and you have a strong immune system, you have nothing to worry about. But you Here's do. the hard part. Other, but other, here, what if you don't have a strong immune system? Are we just going to leave those people by the wayside? For example, my, my brother has diabetes. My grandma is 90. I don't want either of them to contract this disease, yet it, it's going to be tough to prevent the spread of this. So what can people do right now? What's the best way you can help prevent the spread of this disease because I feel like the NHL and the NBA and all the leagues are trying their best to to prevent the spread of this right now but at the same time they want to start up games as soon as possible that's a really tough balance there because at some point we do need to return to normal society but we wouldn't want to do it tomorrow because a lot of people have this disease right now so we're kind of in a tough spot like you said your brother has diabetes um your grandma's old, my grandma's old and has like a bunch of like heart and lung issues. So this is a respiratory disease. And um, I have someone in my family who is immunocompromised via the respiratory system. And so basically what's going on in my family right now is <laughs> we're not allowed to leave the house. Like, no going to work, you no going to university, like nothing. Because what if I go out there and I historically like have been someone who doesn't get sick and passes it on to my family when it comes to things like the flu and the common cold and bronchitis. So the best thing you can do, quite honestly, and we'll get into this after we go through some numbers um, about the virus, just to kind of like educate people on how fast this thing's spreading is social distancing. And uh, Ian and I are going to talk about like how you can do that. But the honestly, the best thing you can do is like not go outside don't go to public places like obviously go to the grocery store like get your stuff don't buy 600 rolls of toilet paper you don't need that um but don't go to social gatherings don't go to restaurants like don't go to bars you don't need to do that right and all you're doing is asking for the spread of the disease so the best thing you can do um if you're a healthy person is 
I wouldn't say like self-isolate, but be very cognizant of where you're going and how close you are to people. If you are an at-risk individual, if you can find a way to not leave your house and there are things like Amazon and d grocery delivery services, don't leave your house. Like that is literally the only way you can not get this disease. I know I've heard some people concerned about what uh, whether the economy is going to take a big hit. You look at the price of gas in, in Canada. 77 it was 80, cents! Oh my God, it's below 80. It was 80 when I last saw it. But yeah, you just see the drop in some of these things. I wonder how the online economy is going to help offset that. That's obviously a side topic, conversation for another day. But always we should talk about how it's spreading, though. Yeah. Um, so here's my question. Why is this disease spreading so much faster than anything else we've seen? I know that you talked about, you know, surface area and if if you touch a surface and someone else touches that same surface, they're going to pick it up. But wouldn't that be the same case with SARS? Wouldn't that be the same case with other major diseases we've seen in the past? What resulted in this disease spreading from China to other countries around the world to the point where countries such as Italy are in a complete crisis right now? So let's, yeah, let's get some facts straight. As of the recording of this podcast, there are over 157,000 cases worldwide. Um, it's positive to find out that China and Korea's are both decreasing, but elsewhere it's spreading like rapidly. So Italy went from 2,500 cases to 12,000 cases in seven days. And then yesterday saw a jump of 20%. And now they stand at 21,000 confirmed cases. France and Spain are closing their borders. Uh, Italy has, I believe, closed theirs. And the US has almost 3,000 confirmed cases. This thing is in 118 countries. And it's increasing 13 fold. So like in Canada, there was... 247 cases overall, but yesterday there were 39 new cases in Alberta. Ontario has 101, and Canada has made the huge, uh, basically, statement considering, like, how big we are as a country and, like, how spread out we are. They're telling people to come home, which means don't go on your spring break. It's March break this week in Canada. It That's not... Your vacation is not more important than stopping the spread of this thing. And... Like, I have friends who are in the U.S., who are in Mexico, who are in Europe. Like, I have family who's in Europe. And there's a chance that they won't be able to come home. Or if they do, they're going to be taken to base Borden or base Trenton for quarantine. Um, and you have to show be symptom-free for 14 days before you can be let out into the general public. So... Yeah, like, I've got a buddy who lives in Trenton, and I make a lot of quarantine jokes with him. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where this thing is spreading so rapidly, A, because of like the surfacing the surface touching that I touched on there's also a ton of like mass gatherings and sporting events that are just cesspools for this kind of thing concerts brutal like think about a mosh pit and how gross like you end up with other people spit on you like it's just disgusting but then the other thing is because this thing is so communicable if you fly in an airplane and you have it but it's unbeknownst to you like you don't think you you don't know that you have it yet you are sitting in the same seat. I then come on this airplane thinking like, ah, what? Well, everything's fine. I'm going home. And I sit in the same seat and this thing hasn't been disinfected properly. I probably have this thing now. So now you've got airplanes flying all over the place. You've got people flying all over the place. So it's just jumping country to country. And there's just so many public surfaces that people are touching that it's just spreading so quickly because like, let's be honest, they're not disinfecting those things properly. Like, it's just not happening. And they could say we're taking extra measures. It doesn't matter. They're not fumigating the airplane every time someone gets on and off of it. So you're not, 
really killing the disease. And so that's why it's spreading so quickly is just there's there's travel, there's way too many opportunities for this virus to be living and being passed on to people. So now that we've scared the crap out of everybody, let's let's try to break things down a bit rationally when it comes to what this is going to look like a few weeks from now, because the NHL and the NBA, they want to get back as soon as possible. Other sports are trying, like in, in, a, in a business sense, they want to have their product uh, be back out there because we're a month away from playoffs in those sports. At the same time, I know schools in Ontario are closed until April 6th. I know that a lot of places are, are telling uh, their employees to work from home if they can, because a lot of people can do their jobs from home these days. You know, everything's online. So a lot of people are doing what you call social distancing, where they just try to keep themselves at home. Let's say two weeks from now, let's say um, the beginning of April, where do you think we're going to be in terms of what the numbers are looking like, how much it's grown, and whether or not we can start to maybe play games in front of no crowds? I know that's what a lot of sports leagues uh, suggested maybe doing at first, but then they decided to just suspend the season. At what point can we get to the, the, the point in time where we can have games being played again? I think that's what a lot of fans want to know. Okay, so... Basically, everything in the world is canceled. Uh, the problem you have... <laughs> Hashtag canceled. Yeah, like, the problem you have right now is um, a bunch of soccer players like Juventus and uh, the Arsenal manager um, have tested positive for this thing. So you quite literally, you can't play games because, and in the NBA, you've got players now on two teams, one on the Detroit Pistons and two on the Utah Jazz who have tested positive. You can't play only some games. You either have to go back to a schedule or you don't go back at all because you can't say to the Jazz and the Pistons, well, you can't play because one of your players has this disease. That's not right. So here's the problem we're at now is all of those teams are under full quarantine for at least two weeks and even to that extent, you have to wait till your player recovers and you have to wait to make sure that no signs have percolated with anybody else. So Real Madrid in quarantine for the next two weeks, like the Utah Jazz in quarantine, the Toronto Raptors, basically everyone that they played is in quarantine. And the second they start to show symptoms, the clock restarts again, because you, like I said, you can't return with only some teams playing. And the reality of it is is professional sports is a breeding ground. Sports in general is a breeding ground, which is why Hockey Canada um, and a lot of youth sports leagues have canceled sports because it's a breeding ground for bacteria. And so we were already on high alert. Um, it's flu season, it's common cold season, and the second you have a weakened immune system from any one of those, you're more likely to contract this thing. It's not reasonable. Like my professor said, it's, it's not reasonable to think that any league should be playing for about three months. I still think that that's too long, though. I, I think that within 30 days, you're going to see sports back up again, at least in, in the NHL. I Okay, so <laughs> you're I would say that you're probably correct in the fact that the NHL is going to be the one that goes, we don't want to wait. Um, but here's the thing. There's a difference between we want to come back and we should come back. And experts are saying you need to wait at least three months. Both the NHL and... Uh, MLS, NBA have all said, we're not even going to reevaluate for 30 days. So you're looking at at least a 30 day hiatus. All the, um, I think MLB has said because their season hasn't started, they're pushing things back. So that's maybe the sport that comes back first. 
but you're basically looking at a reevaluation. And if they say, okay, it's okay to come back, you're going to have to have a mini camp um, to get players kind of back together and back in shape. And the reality of it is, is we're looking at at least six weeks. See, I'm just not sure if the league who allows a player to take an Austin Matthews slap shot to the head and then not get checked (laughs) for concussion protocol, I feel like that league might not care so much about this virus compared to other leagues. You know what? I'll give the NHL kudos because, like, anybody that I've talked to has said, like, they're taking their pointers from um, the CDC and from the World Health Organization, from experts, and they didn't have anybody diagnosed with COVID-19 and they still chose to cancel. It was the NBA, obviously, like Rudy Gobert kind of kickstarted this thing. I think it's the shared arenas and the, you know, is the hard part. Is the issue. And and that's the thing is they're still sharing those arenas. So I would say that you're probably looking at at least six weeks. Um, And whether you like to believe that or not, I would say that that is probably the earliest we'll see anything. Okay, so you've worked for a professional sports team before. I have some questions for you. Um, okay. Rudy Gobert plays for the Utah Jazz. They play the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors, who then fly home and play in the same arena as the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is where the concern is from the NHL's perspective. At least that's the biggest concern I would have, is that, wait, this player who was facing the Toronto Raptors, they might have carried it to Toronto and they might have given it to someone on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That hasn't happened. No one on Toronto has been... Uh, I guess what's, I don't know what the right word is. Diagnosed with COVID nineteen, they all cleared the test. Right. So from that um, perspective, so no one's it's a actually been tested in the NHL. But all of the Raptors, the Raptors issued a statement that said everybody had passed. Okay, because that was my biggest concern at first was that all the surfaces that Rudy Gobert was touching, you know, some of the Raptors would be touching it, and the Leafs would be touching it. I guess from a behind the scenes standpoint, how much? Of this shared space by pro athletes, are you touching the same things and spreading the same germs and contracting the same diseases? Because in the NHL, friggin' mumps went around a few years ago. I can't believe this actually happened. (laughs) This is like some outdated disease from like 100 years ago. But what surfaces are these players touching? Because I'd just love to know what kind of the, the behind the scenes lifestyle is like for an NBA and an NHL athlete who play in the same arena. Right. So. Um, in New Jersey, Seton Hall, which is a university, played in the same arena as the Devils. Um, and when I was working um, with MLSE, like the Raptors play at the same facility as the Leafs. And everybody uses the same doors to the building. Uh, it's the same parking lot. It's the, well, it was the Air Canada Center back then. I re- refuse to call it anything else. Um, and so you're all like touching that and employees as well. Um, same hallways, same railings, same elevator buttons. Um, and then even to a degree, like same kitchen staff. So like, God forbid you greet a, let's say like, let's say someone on the Raptors happened to have it, right? Let's say they go in, they greet the kitchen staff. Hey, how you doing? Like whatever. Right now that kitchen staff person has it, but they don't know. And they're, they're cooking the food. So now like, it could be in the food and now you're ingesting it. Like it's, they share a lot of the same staff. They share parking lots. They share railings. They share doors. They share elevators, like dressing room hallways. The Raptors and the Leafs dressing room is maybe 75 meters apart. Like maybe. So they're all walking in the same hallways. They're all touching the same stuff. Like 
anyone in that building, the employees. Like, that's why a lot of people are being told to work from home. And it's a good thing because the athletes aren't the only ones that are at risk. Think about all of the building staff, the ice crew, like all of the people who can come in contact. And there's just, it's way too high risk because those elevators, specifically at the ACC, like there are elevators that employees use that players use. So if an employee uses it, then they give it to a player. Now you've got rapid spreading as well. Like, and if you throw 20,000 fans into that mix, all of a sudden it's Ugh. just... So that's why I think when things do start up again, I, I got to think it's going to be without fans the first few games, right? That would be the logical first step. Um, To be honest, if you're still worried about like fans contracting it in the community, the reality of it is, is these players live in the same community as all of these people. Like They all go to the same Tim Hortons, the same Starbucks, the same freshy McDonald's, like whatever it is. And so it's like, if it's not safe enough for the community to come in, it's probably not safe enough for you to play. Like, that's just the hard reality. So of realistically, it. you don't think the NBA is going to resume for another couple months? Yeah. NHL, I'll put good money on 30 days. That I would say closer to six weeks to two months. Okay. So for fun, yeah. let's say, I don't know, late April. The season yeah. decides, the NHL decides that we're going to resume play. Do you start the playoffs right away and say we're going to use these standings as of right now with points percentage? Yes. yes. Okay, because th- this is what I'm worried about is, do we just extend the season into the summer? Or, or what's, the, what's well, the play here? the season is already going to be, what I would like to see happen is, first of all, you can't, no one can play, like, there are teams that have like 12 games remaining. And more even, 14. Um, you can't condense the schedule that much. Um, what I would like to see happen is they go, okay, we're doing points percentages. This is obviously extenuating circumstances. And the playoffs, instead of going best of seven, they go best of five. Which is what the AHL does. Um, because the reality of it is, we need to get this done so that players can at least have some sort of recovery so that we can have training camp. And maybe the season starts a couple weeks later in October. Um, but there's talk about... Uh, this being played into July, and uh, that's a CBA nightmare because contracts end on July 1st. Can you do an emergency thing where you push that July 1st date to August 1st and you move the draft up a month? Can you do that kind of stuff? That's a lot of lawyering that I don't have an answer to. Um, my gut would say that everybody kind of wants to play, and the re- the reality of it is, and I don't know if people know this, I feel like they do, but NHL players don't get paid for the playoffs. Like, their last paycheck is April 15th. Don't they get, like, a small amount of money? Like I don't believe they do. Some I think there's, bon- there's bonuses associated uh, based on team success, um, but you don't get paid, so it's not like the NHL players would be getting paid. Where the issue is going to lie is escrow, because obviously... The salaries are what they are, and there isn't going to be a 50-50 related, uh, hockey-related revenue split because of all the games that had to be canceled. So I'm interested to see how they handle that, because it's not fair to just strip the players of like 50% of their salary um, for the billionaire owners, and we'll get into the billionaire owners in a minute, because I have some things to say about them. Um, I just, I could see the NHL season going into mid-July, I just logistically i don't know how it's going to work yet so now i'm curious about what nhl teams are doing with their employees and what nba teams are doing with their employees i know that we talked about the toronto maple leafs the toronto raptors 
the Utah Jazz, obviously the at-risk groups. But mm-hmm. what is uh, like, if if you're just a regular fan of of one of the 31 teams in the NHL and you're just curious, okay, what is happening behind the scenes now? What are, what are the teams doing to try to prevent the spread of this? What's happening right now? Just because I've been in under a rock, literally, like in camp for the last week. I'm trying my best mm-hmm. to just figure out what's happening right now from the league's perspective and from employees' perspective. Right. So obviously there's no game. So all those part-time workers, so like think your ushers, your concession stands, your merchandise people, 50-50 people, like all those people lose out on a bunch of money. Um, The league has basically told, leagues have told players like, don't even think about practicing yet or workouts. Like when we're ready, we'll send out a memo where you can maybe go in small groups kind of thing. But everyone's kind of been told, like, on hold, the CHL has begun sending their players home. So their season's done. There's not going to be a Memorial Cup. Um, Because they wouldn't be sending, like, the European kids home if there was going to be a season. Um, But the NHL is kind of like, everybody chill. NBA, same thing. MLS, um, everyone's still in town. And there's no training right now. If you want to work out, it's basically in solidarity in your house. Um, That's what I was wondering. I'm like, what are the pro athletes doing to stay in shape if the season does resume in a couple you, weeks? They are all very rich and have gyms. <laughs> um, specifically, like the NBA players. Okay, but more importantly, the employees. And Mark Cuban deserves huge kudos to, for this. And he is the one that started it. The night the NBA was announced it was suspended, he said it, one of his first concerns was, what are we going to do with the employees? And he has started a program that basically they're going to pay the employees like their full salary, what they would have did. And they're going to give them opportunities to like volunteer and work to continue to earn money so that they're not left out in the cold and, and can't pay rent. And that's the right thing to do. And a bunch of other NBA teams have stepped up. Um, MLSE has said they will help. The Capitals have said they will help. The Ducks have said they will help. The Blackhawks have said they will help. Um, there's definitely a few other teams, but uh, let's get to the other stuff, which is Kevin Love kind of started this thing where uh, NBA players are donating like $100,000 to help with a salary. Zion Williamson, who is a rookie in the NBA, come out and said, because his owner is doing, pardon my language, sweet fuck all, come out and said he's going to pay the salary for all of the part-time workers where the Pelicans play for the next 30 days. The fact that Zion Williamson has to do that and his owner, who is worth a cool $4 billion in doing that, is absolutely atrocious. And where the NHL is concerned, the Bruins aren't helping. The Flames and Oilers and Jets have all announced that they're not helping. And the Jets owner is not Mark Chipman, I'm talking about David Thompson, is worth $48 billion. Are you fucking kidding me? You're not going to pay your employees and you're worth $48 billion? If you gave your part-time employees a $50,000 stipend, you'd still be worth $48 billion. I mean, there are a lot of industries where, where workers are getting screwed over right now and it sucks, you know? I mean... But it's like, these are... Part, they're like, oh, well, this isn't their only job. Um, Newsflash, people don't have two jobs by choice. Like, these are part-time workers that are working to, like, pay rent and pay, like, hydro and have food. And you're sitting here with billions of dollars. You're like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. You're worth billions of dollars. You own a sports franchise. Like, are you absolutely off your rocker? Yeah, we could could get into a talk about billionaires. (laughs) Yeah, but I just think, like, everyone needs to follow Mark Cuban's example and not David Thompson's example because... If you're going to put your 
part-time workers out of work and like it's a it's hardship like I'm sorry and I don't know any other word to describe this other than like a you're it's deplorable and b like you're a coward like you're just not a good person at that point and there's really no other way to put it um the devils have said that they're gonna help out as well which is good because they have the sixers and um the devils they also have crystal palace in the epl Uh, but like this is the right thing to do and like players donating is great um because like they also make a lot of money so to see them donating like that's terrific but like the reality is is they shouldn't have to their owners who are worth billions should be the ones who are stepping up and that's what i'm gonna say about that and so if you're a fan of a team who just got a giant tax handout i'm looking at you edmonton and calgary to build your stupid ass arena and your owners are saying oh we're not gonna pay anyone maybe you should look at becoming a fan of another team because I don't know that I could be a fan of a team that um, acts like this. It's just, it's so bad. Yeah, we're going to talk politics in Alberta. It's, 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 this could be a fun podcast if we keep going, but I, oh, I think we should probably pivot. We should talk about social distancing, though, because I think, like, we kind of touched on it earlier. And, like, this is how, when you were asking how you're going to prevent the spread of this disease, uh, this is how you're going to do it. So, social distancing, that's basically staying home unless you have to leave the house for a particular reason, right? Like just trying to keep yourself away from places where there are large groups of people. Right. So social distancing is not going to the bar, is not going to a house party with 40 people at it, is not going to big gatherings in a square, not going to the movie theater, like, those things are social distancing. So, like, there's a difference between social distancing and self-isolation. Self-isolation, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, um, is literally staying in your house and not doing anything. Um, and I'll, everyone who's coming back from international travel is being recommended to do that. Um, but there are schools that have shut down. So, like, Harvard and Princeton were the first ones to do it. York, U of T, and Ryerson have announced that as of this Monday, conveniently after they shoved everyone in a room for midterms, um, they're also going to go to online. Ontario has closed elementary and high schools post-March break because, obviously, like, kids are still going away for some stupid reason. And all of those kids, like... the. Kids are a cesspool of germs, like daycares and stuff. That doesn't need to happen. Um, And not going to things like concerts. So the Dropkick Murphys, who normally um, perform in Boston on St. Patrick's Day, have said, listen, we're not doing that because we don't want to encourage people to come out and be all gross together. So they're going to stream it online. That's a great way to do that. You can watch it from the comfort of your own home. And the reality of it is, And my professor said this, he explained it beautifully. You should not be within a meter of anybody. That is so, so, like, you should not be within a meter. There should be a meter bubble, personal bubble for everyone. Because that's kind of like the cough radius, the sneeze radius. Like, just, you shouldn't be within a meter of anybody. So, don't go to the restaurant because, like, newsflash, um, they're not sanitary in times like this. On the best of times, they're not sanitary. Um, but yeah, that's what social distancing is. Like you, you need to be staying away from people. Here's the hard part. What if that isn't possible for you based on your work? So a lot of, um, you know, it's serious when the 
banks and the government are telling people to work from home. Like, the banks are working from home now, and um, that'll come in a life update later on in the mailbag. Um, but, like, the federal government is telling people to work from home. Daycares are closing. Um, grocery stores, realistically, you're never really within a meter of someone, especially if you're at the cash register. That's, like, the closest you should come to someone. Um, but a lot of places are really shutting it down. Like, malls have announced reduced hours. Apple, kudos to them, has just shut every store worldwide until the end of the month. Because they're like, everyone's touching everything. Like, all the devices that are on display in the Apple Store, everyone touches those. So, like, you know what? We're just going to close the stores. I'm just trying to think of what the right thing to do is for someone who needs to get downtown, let's say, for their job. And they're used to having to commute using public transit. What's the right move right now? Because your boss hasn't allowed you to work from home because your boss sucks. And now you have to go in and work. Or because of the nature of your job, you just have to be there. How do you get there? How, how, do, you, how do you do this? If you can avoid the subway, like... Avoid this. It is better to ride your bike right now. It is better to drive. As much as downtown Toronto traffic specifically sucks, downtown traffic anywhere sucks. Manhattan, for sure. If you can't avoid public transit, um, the best thing you can do is get one of those masks or quite literally just cover your face with anything. Like, just put a barrier um, and get latex gloves and wear latex gloves because then you can change the gloves like you're not going to be as exposed. It won't be directly on your hands. So if you have to touch anything in the way of like public transit or, or things like that, use rubber gloves. Um, wash your hands consistently. Like my family has a rule that like, A, we have to wash them at least like every hour. And B, like the second you're going to eat something or like you've touched something that's like not sanitary or clean, like you got to wash your hands. Um keeping Purell wiping surfaces down. So like wipe your desk down. Um, I've seen people wiping the subway down, like the pole that they want to touch, wipe it down, stuff like that. If you can't have latex gloves. Um, so I would say like, that's kind of your best bet. All right. And don't like, don't crowd into the subway. That's disgusting. And I've been like, <laughs> so I've been on the subway. I was on the subway uh, earlier this week and, like, I did not touch anything. I wore latex gloves. And you should see, like, it was in the middle of rush hour, which anyone who's taken a subway knows in rush hour, you're sardines. There was, like, nobody on the subway. Like, people are doing a really good job already. So don't go sit beside someone. Like, go sit somewhere else. Yeah, if, if you can uh, get a ride or give someone a ride, I feel like that was the time for people to kind of carpool and, you know. Oh, yes. Carpool, share your parking, all of that. All right, can we get into the Kovalev shift? Because I have a rant that I need to go on. Oh, Ian's about to go on a rant, and I have been... He texted me about this. I am so excited because he has been wanting to do this for so long. This is the Kovalev shift brought to you by Major League Socks. You can visit the website, use the code STAFFGRAPH uh, for 15% off your purchase. Ian, how important is misinformation and maybe not just distributing misinformation like wildfire. So I think during the last election cycle, we saw what the spread of misinformation could do. And, and I was really hoping that 
come 2020, we'd be a lot better prepared to handle misinformation. But I think the hard part is that when people get in their little bubbles on social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, insert, whatever it is, where you choose who you follow and you choose what comes onto your feed, I think that there's a tendency for certain aspects of misinformation to come onto your feed. And now that's going to impact the way that you think about a certain topic. And when something like coronavirus is the major storyline in the world over the past couple of weeks, you're getting people who get their information from some sources and it's not accurate. And then they get their information from another source and it's not accurate. And I feel like now is a good time to remember that there's a reason that we have experts in society and there's a reason that we should be deferring to those experts because I am not a doctor. I'm not someone who understands the spread of disease and illnesses. I just don't. I'm not smart in that area. So what should I do? I should be looking at what the World Health Organization says, you know, WHO. I should be looking at the CDC, which stands for, let me just Google it real quick here. Center for Disease Control. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. It's look for sources that have uh, a very reputable background. The, The CDC and the WHO, World Health Organization, should be the two sources of information that you go to right now. If you see information from uh, something other than those two, I'm telling you, be skeptical about it. And Including the president. <sighs> like, very much including the president. And I, I can't believe, like, Jen Hedger had the greatest thing on SportsCenter. Karen on Facebook is not your best source of information. Or just the water cooler talk at the office. Yeah. Or just when people are saying, oh, well, I, I think people are overreacting to this. You know, back in my day, we blah, 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 blah. I'm just thinking, well... We haven't seen the spread of something like this back in your day, you know? We, yeah, it's, good point. This is unprecedented. When was the last time we remember the infection rate for a disease being this high? This many people in this many different countries being infected. When Tom Hanks gets it. When an NBA player gets it. when The plague. I mean, didn't uh, Justin Trudeau's wife get it? Everyone around the world yep. is contracting The Prime this Minister disease. of Canada's wife has it. The Health Minister for the UK has it. Uh, the President of Brazil has it. Uh, the President of the United States might have it. We don't know. Like, it's it takes no... It doesn't discriminate. Like, just because you're of a high-ranking official doesn't mean that you're safe from it. So, like Ian said you need to be listening to the people who are experts. Like I, whatever my professor is saying, I'm basically taking as gospel because this guy has a PhD in it. I am not listening to the guy on Fox News, the guy on uh, CNN. If they have doctors on, I'll listen to the doctors. But like Ian said, the spread of misinformation in today's day and age, specifically where uh, the president is concerned is so dangerous in a time like this because you have people taking that as gospel and it's not true. Yep, and that's the hard part. As you try to get into a conversation with someone about corona right now, a lot of the things you're hearing aren't factual. And it's hard to get into a good discussion when the spread of misinformation is spreading just about as fast as this goddamn disease. And it's really frustrating. So I just I want people to treat this the same way that they would treat anything else and try to defer to experts. And when we try to deny that global warming is a thing, that's dumb. When we try, (laughs) I'm just saying, when we try to downplay the fact that this disease is spreading like wildfire, it is 
anyone who says they have it under control is not to be trusted. And this isn't to induce panic because I don't want to just be like, you know, the news who just only shows the bad news and only talks about things that are going to scare people. Because, you know, my anxiety when this was announced on uh, the, the NBA, when Rudy Gobert first got diagnosed and then the NHL followed suit the next day. That was a rough 24 hours for me because not only was, you know, my, my family's, uh, you know, safety in jeopardy. My job was in jeopardy. I'm not getting paid for Leafs games anymore. This sucks. No one likes this. And a lot of people are affected by this financially. A lot of people are affected by this health wise. It's a big deal. So I just want to make sure that when we're talking about it, can we use facts? Can we look up what? The yeah, we don't need to unnecessarily scare people. Yeah. And if the World Health Organization or the CDC hasn't said something on the topic and you're saying something that contradicts it, I- I'm sorry. I just don't care <laughs> about your opinion. This is where we trust experts. And this is why having uh, a scientific community and-, and why having people who are the head of their professions, I want to hear what they have to say on the topic, not Karen from accounting. Because she sucks. Right. Like, I want to hear what the group from Sunnybrook who isolated the virus and is working on a vaccine and a cure for the virus is saying. I don't want to hear basically what anyone else has to say right now, because these are the people. Listen, if they're smart enough to isolate the virus, they're probably smart enough to figure out how we need to handle it, how we need to conduct ourselves and how we're going to fix this global pandemic. Karen from accounting exactly is not who is going to tell you how to fix things. Joe in sales also sucks. Don't like that guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's opinion. Ian's rant. And that was the Kovalev shift. And that was a solo Kovalev shift. I don't know. Ian. I feel like I got a few passes there from you. You know, it was a bit, a bit of give and go. It was, yeah. Okay. So that's a Kovalev shift brought to you by major league socks. Um, they're great. They're local business. Um, obviously everyone's kind of pinching pennies right now. So that's, it's how you support the podcast. You can support them, but obviously we'll understand based on these circumstances. So I'm going to go ahead and steer this in a different direction. How, oh, really? How's your steering wheel doing, Rachel? I know that you're, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, uh, your, your steering wheel got kidnapped a few weeks ago <laughs> and you have... This is, yeah. Okay, so we have a steering wheel update. I'm very excited to say that I have a vehicle now. With um, a steering wheel. With a steering wheel, Yes. Um, so I go out my car, um, it has a functioning steering wheel and airbag, which is very good. Um, it only took like eight weeks. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was a really big pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. And I would really appreciate it if people didn't steal my steering wheel anymore. Um, so yeah, I have a car. I also have a new job and I also got a new apartment in the last week. So yeah, it's been a pretty, like, here's some good news, like kind of thing. And in a world of bad news right now, I had some pretty decent things happen over the past week. I also got a huge grant from the government for my research. So can I just say, um, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I kind of feel bad, but it's like, Maybe we need some happy news at this point. So I have a car. Um, I'm moving downtown on April 1st. Um, So there's like, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where um, it when it rains, it pours, I guess, good and bad. Because obviously I was having a pretty rough patch kind of in the later parts of 2019, the early parts of 2020, and things are kind of starting to turn. And so... Um, yeah, the fact that I have a car and can drive around to do absolutely nothing right now because I can't leave my house 
is very nice. So it's just sitting in the driveway. And you know what? Hopefully when I go outside, um, the steering wheel is not missing. <laughs> I still can't believe someone stole your steering wheel. That's one of my favorite Honestly, stories. Honestly, so stupid. Like, ugh. But, yeah. so that's an update. And shout out to the guy. I don't know who did it, but shout out to the guy who is a podcast listener, heard about this, was the one that was, I guess, responsible for my car and completely detailed my car while it was in the shop. Shout out to you, pal. I appreciate you. People got your back, Rachel. When, when, when someone steers your steering wheel, this is what... Steals your steering wheel. Goddamn, this is a tongue twister. When someone <laughs> steals your steering wheel, we, we, we got to band together as a society. It's just, that's why we're here. Yeah. Should we talk about where the podcast is going to go from here now that we don't have games to talk about? Yeah, so... Because a bunch of people have asked via text message and Twitter, and I feel like it's kind of important to say that we are still going to have a podcast. Yeah, uh, when we first started the podcast, we broke down the one three one power play. We broke down... What did we break down the week after that? We broke down a few tactics. Resting things. your players. Yeah. We broke down player tracking. Yeah. I think the one three one, the power play breakdown, that was my favorite podcast we did, because we, we took a concept, and we just broke it down from a few different angles, looked at some tactical components from a coaching perspective, looked at some numbers and trying to use uh, measurement to, to show evidence of certain strategies working versus not working, and I thought that that was kind of our forte, I thought that that's what we're best at, so I think we're going to try to get back to that. Uh, what are we going to be doing next week with our, our first tactical breakdown? So we're going to actually do play behind the net, whether it's power play, even strength. We're going to talk about creating offense using the net as a weapon and basically kind of playing from below the goal line. Um, and that's really exciting because um, like I have some research from York, which now that our season is finished and unfortunately the girls did not get to play at nationals, um, I have a season's worth of research on it. And so got some cool numbers to share because I'm super excited. It was all manual tracking. So uh, shout out to Spencer for doing that for me. Um, love that. And so um, we're going to have the behind the net next week and definitely some some tactics and some numbers to break down. And I'm with Ian. I think that breaking down tactics kind of is what makes us unique. And so we'll be getting back to that considering there's a bunch of tactics we can break down and no hockey to talk about. Yeah, hopefully we get back to some games here at some point. But again, safety first. That's, that's the most important thing. Uh, you also said that we're going to have some merch coming, apparently. Yeah. This is fun. So we're going to... We've been... I kind of got this idea. Um, we're going to work on some merch. It's not going to be up like right away, just because obviously it's tough times for everybody. So we're going to wait. Uh, we might actually source some opinions from the listeners on what kind of designs you guys like and um hopefully that'll be available maybe for the summer um so that everyone's kind of got some shirts and stickers and maybe some mugs i don't know we'll see you could tell us what kind of merch you want um and we're also once and i cannot be clear enough about this once this virus has gotten under control and we are allowed to do things we are going to have a live podcast um, it will be in downtown Toronto. That's cause we're, that's Ian and I both live there. Um, and so hopefully we're trying to get some guests on. And, uh, so there's some cool stuff coming for the podcast, but there is when all of this kind of settles, you'll have a live podcast to look forward to. 
That'll be a fun time. I did a uh, live podcast for Leafs Geeks over the summer, uh, or maybe it was the beginning of spring, like in October, September-ish, but we did it for charity, and we got a few a bunch of people out, and it was a good time, so doing a live Staff Graph podcast would, uh, would definitely be a good time, I think. Yeah, so that's kind of what you have to look forward to, so we're going back to tactics, we've got merch coming for the summer, uh, we'll probably have some guests on, and a live podcast. All right, I'm gonna head back up to camp where I'm. I'm, I'm quarantined in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's a pretty good place to be. You're literally in a bush without cell phones. Yeah, so I figure if I've got to be somewhere, I don't mind being, you know, outside of society with, you know, no electricity or Wi-Fi. It's great. We do have electricity. It's just, you know, when my phone doesn't work, it feels like I don't have electricity. I feel like I'm just kind That's... of in the wilderness. Alrighty, well, so Ian's gonna do that. I am gonna continue to do schoolwork. And uh, we'll prep, we'll be prepping lots of tactics to talk about. But we just, we felt like this was kind of an important, Ian more so than me, I really did not want to do this. But Ian kind of convinced me that um, asking my professor and spreading accurate information was a good thing to do. I just feel so, like at a time like this, when so many people are getting the wrong information, I want to kind of set the record straight and let's talk about this in a rational way, using some evidence to talk about what the facts are. We don't want to scare people, but we want to inform people. And I feel like that's always going to be the exactly. goal of our podcast. We want to inform people on hockey. And right now, Corona is impacting the sports world more than really anything we've seen in, in human history. So I think it's important to set the record straight, get the facts and right. And don't go buying 600 rolls of toilet paper, please, because <laughs> there are elderly oh. people. Oh my God. Okay, so here's a funny story. Anyone who's still listening is going to get the, the perk of this funny story. I was in the grocery store the other day, just buying like a couple things that we need. This lady struggled for like 15 seconds. So I was like in the middle of like coming down the aisle to help her out to get like the last box of tissue. And she was like probably in her 70s. This kid who I would say is probably like early 20s, maybe as this lady turns around to grab something else off the shelf, he grabs the tissue box out of her cart and starts to walk away. Ooh, that's evil. That's And I called him out so hard. I was like, are you got to be kidding me? Put it back right now. And we got into like a full verbal altercation. And I was like, put it back. He ended up putting it back. And I was like, by the way, you're also going to apologize. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, you can't be stealing things. Stealing from an elderly like, woman doing? during a crisis. This is where, you know, the dark side of human uh, nature, when you look at like the Lord of the Flies and just when survival is. Oh, yeah, what a book. Yeah, this is where selfishness really, you find out, you find out who's a good person and who's not at times like these. And the people hoarding the Lysol and the Purell are not the good people. Yeah, yeah. Because newsflash, if no one else has Purell, then the virus is still going to spread. I hope you're nice and comfy in your bomb shelter right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ridiculous. Bomb shelter made of toilet paper. It's like the three little pigs. Uh, and they're like, and they're canned food and whatnot and all the other stuff that the grocery stores are out of right now. Yeah, thanks, people. Thanks. Yeah. There's no, like... There's no food shortage. There's a delivery. Like, they're just having issues with the delivery, but there's no actual food shortage. Like, my dad's friend's a farmer, and he has, like, literally five metric tons of carrots and onions. Like, there is no food shortage. People are stupid. Like, we're going to be fine. All right, let's get out of here. Just because the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast is because a lot of people are frustrating me with misinformation. So I hope that by now we've informed a few people, set some facts straight. And inform yeah. them about your steering wheel update, which is a great yes. update, positivity in the world. I love it. Let's get out of here. All right. We'll be back next week with the Behind the Net. And by next week, uh, we don't know when because Ian is, like he said, in the wilderness. So 
We don't know if it's like late next week or early next week. We'll figure it out. I'll be back on the 21st, so we can probably record around then-ish. All right. All right. Sounds good. Enjoy your week, Take care, everyone. Stay home. Quite literally. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands, too. (laughs) Yes. And we'll be back with actual fun stuff to talk about. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Staff and Graph podcast. You can check out Rachel Dory's work at The First Pass, and Ian Tullock's written work can be found at The Athletic and The Leafs Geeks podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this. Also, be sure to follow these nerds on Twitter at Rachel Dory and at Ian Graff.